The all-new Chevy Colorado is made for more. Stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad. Plus, it features wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you. Chevy Colorado. Made for more. Learn more at Chevrolet.com slash truck slash Colorado. Claims based on latest competitive data. This is the On The Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 132 of the On The Banks podcast, our NCAA tournament special. Amazing that we're here after where we've been this entire season uh, back in November. Uh, Obviously a rough start. The thrill of the win streak in February, poor play in January, and even at the end of February, and then going into that last week of the regular season, for the third year in a row, needing Rutgers to, to come through, and they did again with wins key on the road at Indiana, which, by the way, is looking uh, even more impressive now in terms of what Indiana did in the Big Ten tournament, beating Michigan, uh, beating Illinois, and ended up making the NCAA tournament just as Rutgers did and playing in that first four game as well. But overall, at the end of the day, all the 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 net rankings, uh, the bracketology, you know, Rutgers was projected in by just about a third of all bracketologists on Selection Sunday. At the end of the day, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee went with big wins, impressive wins. Rutgers with eight wins over teams in the NCAA Tournament, eight and six record, eight wins against net top 40 teams, two quad one road victories, which um, was definitely the most impressive of any bubble team. Xavier had two as well, but uh, both of theirs were against teams in the 50s. Rutgers, uh, that win at Wisconsin, I think, you know, really distinguished themselves apart from other bubble teams. I, I really think that did. And, and Indiana was, you know, top 40. Uh, and that was a road win as well. So they got in. I think this selection Sunday, uh, obviously, as Rutgers fans, we haven't experienced too many. And, you know, last year and, and even even though t- 2020 did not happen because of COVID, they were they were firmly in both those years. You know, this was definitely a case of Rutgers sweating it out, uh, not knowing what to expect. And certainly the, the longer the wait, the longer, you know, the more doubt crept in. I think for everybody, it was natural, you know, and, and my experience, I was home with two kids and, you know, it was daylight savings time. The routine was thrown off. It was uh, certainly getting hairy at that time, uh, right around uh, the selection show coming on. And thank God that not only did they get in, but they announced it early on uh, in the first bracket. That just would have been torturous and brutal if it, if it carried on. Um, but just to see the relief on everyone's faces, you know, at Rutgers, uh, it was great that they filmed it and um, had cameras there. And, you know, you it was real. It was real. That, that celebration when they heard their name announced, it was not pure bedlam. It was it was relief as much as anything at first uh, and, and letting it sink in. And I think just for, you know, I've said this before, um, but just wanting them to have the opportunity to end their, you know, the senior class, Ron Harper Jr., Geo Baker, Caleb McConnell, having one more shot at the NCAA tournament, you know, missing out in 2020 because of COVID, having that lead over Houston last year and just falling short of the Sweet 16. They get one more crack at it. Uh, This team, I I think it's important to note, as important as the seniors have been, this team is not going to March Madness without Cliff Omori and Paul Mulcahy and the way they have improved 
in the middle of the season from, from December, you know, and, and, and we can all lament the poor start to the team, but the reality is it, it, it just took a while for things to gel and it took a while for those two to really assert themselves in their current roles. And if you look at, you know, the, the importance of, that they bring to this team now um, and the contributions they've brought, um, aside from just their averages, I mean, you know, Cliff is, listen, he's almost averaging a double-double. I don't know if we could have said before the season we'd expect him to average 11 points per game. I mean, he didn't even average, he was a top 50 recruit in high school. He He was not a scorer in high school. He's really come along. Uh, I know he's, I think he's leading the nation or tied for the lead in dunks. But, you know, he's shown some some development in his offensive game as well. And I think his court awareness on uh, the defensive end, his ability to um, become more of a rim defender that we had hoped going into the season has just improved. Um, and overall, his improvement has been amazing. Pomo Kehi, we know, um, you know, he has been a little bit uh, up and down at times. But when he is um, confident, when he's poised, uh, he he elevates this team in a way that you know makes them very capable of of making a March run. And I think uh, he played well in the loss to Iowa uh, in the Big Ten tournament. He really, I think, in this game, we're going to get into the matchup in a minute. But I think he has potential to have a big game. And uh, overall, just the the five starters, what they've been able to pull together, just really impressive in terms of of getting into the field. And now now they have a chance. Now they have a chance to to you know I think their experience from last year is invaluable. Um, you know, they gutted out that win over Clemson. That was not a pretty win by any means, um, but they, they were able to uh, overcome, you know, a little bit of a slow start in that game. And then obviously Houston, they came out playing really well. We all know what happened in the last four minutes. You know, listen, let's, let's see if that experience helps them on Wednesday. You know, Notre Dame is an extremely experienced team in terms of college basketball, six of their seven in the rotation are either seniors or graduate transfers, but they haven't been to the NCAA tournament in five years. The only player on the team that has NCAA tournament experience is Paul Atkinson, who was a reserve for Yale when they played LSU in 2019. So, you know, is that going to be a factor on Wednesday? I it can't hurt. Can't hurt. I think, you know, both teams will have some desperation in terms of, you know, it's win or go home. And a lot of careers will end on either side. But I, I, I think that's where the NCAA tournament experience does come in handy. You know, the game's in Dayton, Ohio. Obviously, Notre Dame's probably going to have more of a fan presence there. I, I did see the Riot Squad. Our friends of the Riot Squad are, are going to be out there. I'm sure there's going to be a decent turnout for Rutgers fans on a, a Wednesday at 9 o'clock out in Ohio. And Kayla McConnell is, you know, from the Dayton area. So he'll have a lot of friends and family there. But I, I think this team's ability to be focused, have poise and come out and, and really just be connected defensively from the start. You know, we know Notre Dame is a very dangerous shooting team, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Their entire rotation can shoot well. I think that obviously, you know, is a key. I've seen some things out there that, you know, people worry about the rotations defensively. I, th I think something sometimes Rutgers, you know, Penn State's a key example, I think, in, in terms of how they played differently in terms of defending the three, daring them to shoot threes. I, they're not going to play that way against Notre Dame. And uh, I really think that their ability to guard the perimeter, push Notre Dame a little bit, you know, away from the arc in terms of having them start their offense a little bit closer to half court will make them uncomfortable. You know, I think the physicality in this game is is going to be a key, but they have to be able to defend without fouling. I think that's really what threw them off in the loss to Iowa in the Big Ten tournament. Um, and honestly, they, they didn't handle it well. You know, I think they, their emotions were high. They lost their poise. 
you know, they punched Iowa first and, and once Iowa punched back, they weren't able to respond. I think the difference in terms of playing Iowa versus Notre Dame is the transition game. Iowa athletically, you know, far and above Notre Dame and also their ability to push the pace. You know, they really hurt. They, they killed Rutgers in transition in that first half, I think 16 to two in fast break points. And that was a big part of it. And I think honestly, going through that game against Iowa is going to help them too in this game. I, I think that, you know, they're both obviously extremely good shooting teams, but Notre Dame is not nearly as explosive as Iowa uh, in terms of beating you in multiple ways on the offensive end. And it's really all about the three. And I think, um, you know, Kayla McConnell on Blake Wesley, the freshman point guard for Notre Dame, um, you know, is their leading scorer. Uh, he's six five, so McConnell's going to have a couple inches on him. But I think that's that's kind of the kill the head and then the body will follow. I think that you know slowing him down, he's struggled a little bit lately too. Um, and I think you know Notre Dame, they've beaten a lot of mediocre to bad teams in the ACC, and every good team they've faced, uh, other than Kentucky, they beat Kentucky the first week of December. You know, credit to them. Kentucky is not the team then that they are now. Uh, they've definitely improved quite a bit. Notre Dame hasn't beaten a lot of great teams this year, and uh, they, they've won the games they're supposed to. We know Rutgers on that flip side, you know, has beaten a lot of great teams and, and lost a lot of, to a lot of teams that, frankly, they're, they're better than that they should have beaten. So, you know, which Rutgers team is going to show up? I have to believe that, you know, with their back, not only their backs against the wall, their 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 careers are, you know, it's win or go home, and uh, it's uh, a lot on the line for sure. I think. Uh, how they handle that type of pressure is going to be so, so key in how they're playing. And, you know, the wild card, just in terms of getting off to a good start, I think uh, defensively more than anything, uh, they, they have to be uh, dialed in. I think, you know, could they play zone? Maybe, but I think you're going to see a lot more man to man and also some full court pressure. I think Rutgers trying to speed this game up would be a good thing. I, I don't think Notre Dame has the athleticism to match up with them. They don't like to play physical. You know, and, and being physical, it's not just about boxing out and on the defensive end. I think Rutgers, you know, uh, needs a lot of screening action in this game. I think Mulcahy and Cliff pick and roll at the top of the key, you know, really could cause them problems. I think, you know, getting Cliff and Ron involved inside is going to be really important. I don't think, you know, uh, Atkinson, you know, is a good defender for sure. But, you know, the matchup with Cliff against Notre Dame's uh, Nate Lazuski, 6'10 senior, you know, more of a, an outside-in player, great three-point shooter, 46%. That's going to be very interesting on the defensive end for Cliff, being able to adjust. Is he going to go out to the perimeter and guard him, or are they going to switch off with Ron, covering him instead, and and um, Cliff guarding Atkinson? Remains to be seen, you know, is this a game that, you know, Dean Reber has to come through defensively a little bit uh, on Lazuski? will be interesting to see. I think Cliff obviously has to stay out of foul trouble. If he does go out to the perimeter, he can't you know, have any unnecessary fouls, certainly from three as well. Fouling shooters can't have that. But um, his ability to, to dominate on the boards in this game and to, to really dominate points in the paint, I think, you know, Rutgers has to get him the ball. Uh, so I, I look for him and, and Paul to play their, their you know, two-man game together. I think that would be, you know, certainly something they can, they can dominate on. And I think Ron Harper Jr., you know, of course, you know, open threes will be uh, key for him. But I, I think him getting downhill, him attacking the rim, you know, the way he can control his body and, and knife his way in to the rim and finish, draw the foul, you know, complete the three-point play the hard way. You know, I'd like to see him really attack the basket. Um, and as a team, they, they need to rebound in this game. You know, Notre Dame is not a good offensive rebounding team. Uh, and you have to, you can't afford 
second chance opportunities in this game. You can't allow Notre Dame to get long rebounds or, you know, kick it back out for, th- for second chance threes. That's what will bear you. And um, I think that's, that's essential. And, you know, listen, when Rutgers rebounds, well, they play really well and it all starts on the defensive end and uh, their offense comes from their defense, you know, and getting turnovers, um, you know, Notre Dame doesn't turn opponents over much. They also don't turn it over as much as well either. And I think Rutgers just being locked in, you know, playing out possessions, Notre Dame, you know, is probably going to look to run the shot clock down and get the best shot possible. They're going to make the extra pass. Rutgers can't bail out early. They have to have good defensive rotations. They have to box out and they have to just be locked in defensively. I think that's the key to everything with this team and the key to them playing to their full potential, you know, and, and I, I really think, uh, you know, I've seen it before, but the poise that they play with is really going to be huge bench production, you know, got zero points against Iowa outscored 18 to nothing. That was a huge problem. I don't know how much that's going to be a factor in this game. Notre Dame doesn't play their bench much at all. They only have a seven man rotation and, and really it's more of a six man rotation. So it's really going to be starters for starters in this game. And, you know, to be honest, that I kind of like that because I think that Rutgers has a you know starting five that's better than Notre Dame, and uh, I, I think that's you know going to be really important for them to to play up. As Rutgers fans, listen, you know it's uh, can't we have to appreciate this moment. You know we could digest the whole season after the fact, but here we are going into the first four game on Wednesday night with an opportunity to advance. Obviously, if they win, they play uh, Friday afternoon, four thirty Eastern in San Diego against the number six seed Alabama. Certainly, you know, a game that they could win. I know people are getting nervous. A lot of uh, analysts are starting to pick Rutgers, not only to beat Notre Dame, but also to beat Alabama, you know. But I think that, that what that points to is that, you know, on paper, Rutgers is certainly capable of, of winning two games here. You know, and, and listen, Texas Tech is a great defensive team. They have to get there first. I think you get to Sunday. I think they're playing with house money. Of course, you want to advance as far as possible. And I think you get to Sunday, they'll be loose and, you know, I think they'll play well, but they got to get there first. Of course, you know, I think getting through this first game, you know, against Clemson last year, you know, they didn't play necessarily great and they didn't even start great, but they, they grinded it out like this team knows how to do. And I just hope that for their legacies, for, for everything that this team has gone through over the last, you know, this senior group, the last three years that they have a moment left in store for themselves. And, and this is what it's all about. I mean, it's now or never at this point in terms of, you know, taking advantage of this opportunity. As Rutgers fans, we have to appreciate it. You know, the only the second time in program history they've gone back-to-back on NCAA tournament appearances really should be the third NCAA tournament appearance for them, which Rutgers has never done. But we all know what happened. So in, in terms of COVID with 2020, and I think, you know, this is uh, legacies are intact, win or lose on Wednesday night. Legacies are enhanced with a win even more so with a win on Friday against Alabama. Short turnaround. Um, I talk about that with our guest coming up, uh, as well as, you know, trying to digest this game as much as possible and and what this team has meant to this program. And now I welcome in our good friend and the best person to talk to about New Jersey basketball, Rutgers basketball, longtime beat writer, Jerry Carino. And we welcome him in now. It's my pleasure to now welcome back to the podcast, college basketball writer, news columnist for Asbury Park Press, Gannett, New Jersey, the dean of New Jersey college basketball, the best time of year, three New Jersey teams going to the big dance, obviously Rutgers, the most important from our perspective, but want to get his take on everything. Really fortunate to have him. No one's busier than Jerry Carino at this time of year. Jerry, thanks so much for being here. Hey, this is what you sign up for. Not only is it the best time of the year, 
but it's the best time that I have had on this beat in two decades. When you have three NCAA tournament teams and the two high majors that we focus on are in this together for the first time since 1991, 31 years, Aaron, you and I were young men and they and they couldn't wind up in the same site. I mean, what a lightning strike. So as someone pointed out, I think it was our friend, John Newman, like, or maybe it was Ryan Dunleavy. The basketball gods are paying me back. <laughs> all the dues, all the dues. So, uh, so that's exciting, you know. And as I was saying to you before, like this is you don't take this for granted. Uh, Rutgers is now in the second straight year. You know, they would have been three if they hadn't gotten canceled in 2020. But just don't take it for granted. It's a great thing when your name's in that bracket. The possibilities are endless. We've seen it over and over, year in year out. And, you know, Rutgers is part of this big dance. So that's something to really celebrate from a Rutgers fan and a Jersey, New Jerseyans perspective. Well, that's a good starting point. Obviously not wanting to take anything for granted. I mean, let's be honest, you know, November, <laughs> I, I'll never forget, it, you know, that Lafayette loss. And I looked at my wife and I just said, I don't know if they're going to get to, you know, it was like new, the, the NCAA tournament dreams just went up in smoke in November with that loss. And obviously we saw how this team played even, you know, in January after we thought they figured out. I mean, have you ever seen in all your years a team have this type of up and down roller coaster ride to ultimately end in the fashion it has in terms of getting this bid? Yeah, not really. I mean, there's times there's times when a team has clicked and like, you know, really taken off. Uh, I think of the 2003 Seton Hall team that won. They started off, they lost to Manhattan and lost a bunch of games. And then they won like seven straight to close the season. But you said roller coaster ride, right? And that's what it was because the season started off so badly. And then they had that great, you know, win over Purdue. And then they went back down again. You know, they lost Seton Hall pretty convincingly. Had a COVID outbreak. Then they, they you know, they got crushed by Illinois. They went, they came back up, uh, you know, beating Michigan. Then they went down, lost at, at you know, that lost to Maryland, that listless game at home, and crazy loss at, at Minnesota and Northwestern. And yeah, it was it was a crazy roller coaster. And then, of course, the four straight wins. So no, I would say to no, not like this, not like the wild swings, not just one take takeoff point, but the wild up and down swings. No, it's unique, and that makes for an interesting NCAA tournament prospects because you just you just don't you know what Rutgers is capable of. They're capable of beating just about any team in this field, but you just don't know what you're going to get from game to game. Well, and that's my next question for you is, I mean, you've covered this team more than anybody. I mean, ha have you come to any semblance of being able to figure this team out? You know, like this senior class is so special that they're such stand up guys. You know, they've improved so much. At the same time, it's like you never know what you're going to get. I mean, it's just what do you attribute the personality to this, you know, up and down play? Part of it is the Big Ten schedule is grueling, you know, and, and Rutgers is to travel a lot. And they have this is a tradition with the program of not playing that well away from from the rack or Jersey Mike's arena. That's part of what the yo-yoing is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's 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 wild. I mean, the one thing Steve has said over and over, Steve Peichel, uh, privately, publicly, is that the, he's concerned that if his guys aren't making shots, that the defensive guard lets down. That's why I thought one of the best wins of the year was the home win against Iowa. Because they, and now it looks even better in retrospect, right? Because Iowa is so red hot. The Rutgers put up brick after brick in that game and still locked down Iowa. And 
to in a smaller extent of that was the Penn State home game to close out the regular season. You know, Rutgers played pretty poorly offensively, but and I, and Penn State doesn't have the firepower that Iowa has, but they still played had a great defensive effort and won the game. So if that if that holds, like I think there are times when Rutgers misses shots and then gets down, and you know you need they need that max effort in order to do their thing. So yes, I think that's one thing that may explain it. But you gotta think that at this stage of the game, the doldrums of the season are over. You know, it's 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 elimination or go time, and you gotta think you will not get one of those. You know, get down on yourself efforts. You gotta think it's scratch, claw, and fight to the end time. And like Rutgers, they did in the NCAA tournament last year. You know, they 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 got tanked, uh, destroyed by Illinois in that Big Ten tournament, and then came back and played their rear ends off. So that I think you could see something like that here. I will be very surprised if Rutgers plays a poor game in the first four Wednesday. Uh, I think it sets up well for them. I like them coming off a loss, you know, with a, when a lot went wrong. You've seen this team reverse that a lot. And so that gives me a good vibe. But am I surprised they're in the NCAA tournament? To go back to your last question, Aaron, not really. I mean, granted that there were times when you wondered if it was possible, but I always saw this in this team. You know, I saw it in the preseason. Um, I felt it in the camaraderie. You know, with the with the the chemistry that was better, so I thought this team was capable of this. But no, I ha- I've never seen anything like it. And I I do feel like they still they might have another gear uh, to come because of the of the stakes and the fact that they're it's one and done now. So I I am really curious to see what this team can do, and I think it'll be really fun to watch. I'm right there with you. And, you know, I, I you've seen this plenty of years, too. It's like I actually don't like picking teams that win their conference tournaments because no, I feel like no. they kind of got it out of their system. Right. And you're not going to make a deep run in the tourney where vice versa. You've seen so many teams go one and done in their conference tournament and then put together something truly special in March Madness. And I, the I, conference I, tournaments are a booby prize. They're fun. <laughs> they're fun for fans. There, it's great for TV and publicity and money, and if you if you can if you can raise a banner, it's always awesome. But for if you don't raise a banner, it's a booby prize. I mean, you've you've worn yourself out, you know. So so yeah, the, like Virginia Tech, I'm not touching them this week. Iowa, I mean, I know Iowa's got a soft draw and they're hot. I I'd rather be Purdue. I'd rather be someone else with a little something to prove on your shoulders, you know. Um, so yes, there's something to be said for that, and. I do like, I like, I both, it's just the way this Rutgers team carries itself. They're going to go in with a chip on their shoulder. And also let's be honest, Notre Dame is favored in this game. I mean, <laughs> why would they be favored when it's, there's only one reason because there's stupid Kenpon metrics. There's no <laughs> other reason the, the ACC stinks. You know, they haven't been tested. Uh, they're, they're a decent team. They have some strengths, but there's no reason for them to be, they're not anywhere near the battle tested nest of Rutgers. So that's something else that these guys are probably going to internalize. Yeah, I think that's really telling. Um, you know, against I know it's Ken Palm, but the top fifty Ken Palm teams, Notre Dame's two and eight, and Rutgers is you know uh, eight and six. So it's like night and day in terms of how much competition they've had. Uh, I, I guess in terms of this matchup, um, you know, it, it's pretty crazy. Notre Dame finished. I just can't believe they finished second in the ACC. And the ACC is a mid. It's a mid major league. It, it it's is a mid-major it, league this year with Duke. Well, and and Duke is even not really looking very good going into it. So they're not vintage. I, they're not vintage Duke. 
No, and that's let's not even. I don't even want to talk about you know the dream scenario of, the, of what could happen in the, in the Sweet Sixteen. But getting to that, in terms of, of Wednesday's matchup, um, obviously Notre Dame's a really good three point shooting team. Um, you know, how concerned are you in terms of the way Rutgers, you know, defended against Iowa with all the foul calls? Um, and you know, do you think that they're able to adapt? And and how how do you judge it? Like Seton Hall over the years. When you get a different officiating crew in, how much can that throw for a team for a loop? That's huge. I mean, that's a really big thing. And to me, I think it only it'll be better for Rutgers to have not have Big Ten officials. Um, it does <laughs> it, it it does require some adjustment. And you know, it's it's a, it's a real good it's a real good point, Aaron, because it's a it's an underappreciated aspect of the NCAA tournament, right? So you don't know how the game's going to be officiated, and if Rutgers is allowed to exert some physicality then that, that can make a big difference against a team like Notre Dame. Uh, so Notre Dame has, has this, this NBA prospect, Blake Wesley, and he, he looks tailor-made for, for Kayla McConnell. And so that's one thing we've noticed is it's the strength of Steve Peichel's, and especially when the player is a wing player or is a, you know, is, is a wing or a guard, they're very good at taking the guy away. Right now, they couldn't do it with Keegan Murray the second time, but Murray's bigger. McConnell wasn't really a good matchup for him, uh, but and you know Harper had to deal with him some, and he's, obviously the guy is unbelievable. But Blake Wesley is a guy who I think McConnell could potentially erase, and it, it takes a lot of steam out of Notre Dame's offense. Um, it does if they make threes, they're going to be hard to beat. Uh, Mike Bray is also an excellent coach, and one of Mike Bray's biggest strengths I've always found is you know he adapts really well to his personnel. Like he he has a style of player he recruits, but there have been years where Mike Bray's teams have gone up and down the court, and there have been years when they've played Princeton style. So like he's a the guy's a good coach, uh, but yeah, I think defending the three pointer is obviously number one on the scouting report, and number two, as you alluded to, is going to be to try to push Notre Dame around a little bit, and a lot of that's going to rely on the whistle. Uh, what do you think about the matchup with, um, you know, inside you have uh, Nate uh, Lazuski, 6'10", you know, shooting 46% from three. Do you think that Cliff covers him and he's going to have to stretch it out a little bit defensively or are they going to move Harper, uh, who, who might be better fit for Atkinson inside the Yale, uh, obviously transfer, who, who's a great player as well? I, and I think they're going to stay with Cliff probably. Uh, you know, they, Steve, I think he's pretty loyal to his system and to his guys to his man-to-man. Um, Cliff is a good athlete. It's not like he's some lug, you know, he's some like big oaf who can't, oak tree that doesn't move. He's a good athlete. Uh, I think they're going to stay with what, they're going to ride the uh, the horse that got him here. Uh, it will be interesting to see, does Lazuski does want to even be inside against Cliff? I mean, mm-hmm. so not a lot of people are at that stage where, as much as Cliff has gotten so much better and more powerful. But yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, but I don't think, I don't think Michael's going to reinvent the wheel here. I really don't. And how, how much do you think Rutgers is going to look to go inside and push the pace in this game? Uh, they should. I mean, this could work for them this year, right? Yeah. It's it's worked. I mean, they've they've pushed the ball this year better than they ever have. Like we 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 got so used to Michael's teams dragging you into the mud, and, <laughs> and they're still capable of doing that. And they're going to try to do it against Alabama if that's the next game. They're going to have no choice. Yeah, I don't think you can run with Alabama, but. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's something that this team can do. And this guy, Rutgers is good athletes, so they've scored a ton on a, on a fast break. They scored off turnovers. Uh, 
but I think they're going to just do what they do. Like, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of different strategy stuff, but they do, they're going to have to defend the perimeter. Like if you're going to give Notre Dame open looks, they're not going to put up bricks like a Penn state or like, you know, uh, Illinois, when they came to the rack, Notre Dame's going to make the shot. So that's definitely number one. And just in terms of, let's just, you know, say that, that things do uh, go well, Rutgers wins the game. How, how critical is that turnaround going uh, to be to get out to San Diego, have to play, I believe, 4.30 in the afternoon, uh, Eastern time, what be 1.30 out there. Uh, you know, how concerned would you be going to that game or uh, in terms of the short turnaround? Or is this the type of team that maybe that kind of short turnaround keeping the flow actually helps this team where we've seen them, you know, kind of come out flat in other instances. Maybe this is something that actually kickstarts them. Like the buy in the big 10 tournament probably hurt them, right? They might've been better <laughs> off getting a little steam of beating up on a Northwestern. Uh, so, but, but anyway, so it's been much chronicled that, that teams have made runs out of the first four, right? There's been several sweet 16 teams. There's been final four runs out of the first four. The one thing I don't know, and you'd have to go back and really chart this, and maybe someone has, is like the those first – where did they go after Dayton, those teams? You know, where was their next stop? What was the – I mean, the turnaround time is always two days. Uh, Rutgers is a little less than two days because it's it's like 19 hours. I mean, uh, um, 43 hours because, you, you know, you're tipping off at 4 o'clock Friday. But the big thing is going to the West Coast, going two time zones over – no, three times is Ohio is the East Coast. Ohio is uh, yeah, I think it's still East. Dayton's the Eastern time zone, right? So you're talking about three time zones. Go, so that's that's significant, and uh, that's a question. Like I don't think under normal circumstances it, it would bother Rutgers to have a one day off turnaround. It might even be beneficial, but I don't. You don't know how someone's going to handle the time zone change, and the bodies have to get used to that. Aaron, like we saw this in with Seton Hall in 2016, right? So they they had uh, they had to go to the mountain time zone. Now, they played at altitude against Gonzaga, and they were gassed. And part of it was, Willard has said, we didn't get out there early enough to get acclimated. The part mm-hmm. of that's the altitude. That's not going to be an issue in San Diego. But part of it is the time change. Your body has to adjust to the time change. And, you know, guys like you and I, we just sleep it off or, or we just stagger through it. These guys can't stagger through it. Like, they got to perform at a high, sharp, focused level. So that that does you do wonder how that will work. There's really no way to predict how it will. And, and what am I missing? Like, why why does that game have to be at 4:30 on Friday? Why can't that be the last game of the day? Ah, uh, boy, I don't know the answer to that. It just uh, seems like kind of ridiculous, right? I mean, you would think. So interestingly enough, I got the practice schedule today because uh, you know the media. What they do is on the on the day before the game, they do. They do press conferences and then they have a one hour open practice. And you almost always in the past, the practice schedule aligns with the game schedule. So like the noon tip is the, uh, on game day has the first practice session at like noon or 11 o'clock the day before and so on down the line. And the late game out of the four at the site, the late game as the last practice session. So mm-hmm. interestingly enough, you know, Rutgers, uh, the winner of the Rutgers Notre Dame game has the last practice session. So like, why don't they have the last game? That's just always lines up. Mm-hmm. They don't have the last game. They have the second game of four. So that is an anomaly. And I don't know the answer to that. I will try to find that out when I get out there. Yeah. If it, just comes, seems, to it, if it comes to it. 
I mean, I, just in terms of TV, I don't know. I, and w- when does Seton Hall play out there? So allegedly nine fifty seven at tips. Let's let's be real. It's going to be like ten thirty. Yeah. Why yeah. couldn't you, why couldn't you have Seton Hall and TCU tip at four and have right. Rutgers have Rutgers tip late? I you know that that's a poor scheduling job. I got to look into that. It's a good that's a good question. So 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 I'm putting it on you to broker the deal with Peichel and Willard to make the switch. So so Rutgers can go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we barely got them to agree to play a game against each other. <laughs> Although they were they were very complimentary of each other, and I have to say I have to say this yesterday at the at the uh, watch party, and I give Rutgers a ton of credit for holding that Aaron. That took a lot of guts. That could have gone really bad, or not bad, but it could have been really sad, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. Michael wanted it. The players really didn't want it, and they kind of rolled their eyes at it. I asked Geo Baker, like, what did you know? Did Steve come to you with this and see what you thought? And he said, No, he did not. He just told us we were doing it. <laughs> so, you know, he Pikes wants to maximize uh, the moment and good for him. It took guts. But in any case, so in talking with Steve, like afterwards, privately, he, he said, you know, I want you to tell Kevin Willard congratulations. He's he runs a great program and I, I, I wish him luck. Uh, and I said, I will. And then I went on the Zoom for Kevin, you know. Rutgers has this big public thing. Kevin has a Zoom from his ki- from his kitchen with just him and no players. That's the difference between him and Pykele. Like Pykele is this community guy. Kevin's very private, you know. So, uh, so anyway, Kevin, unprompted by me or anybody else, said, "This is a great day for New Jersey basketball, and I'm happy for Steve Pykele and Rutgers because they really, they really, they really battled to get to the spot." And so it was a it was a nice show of mutual respect that I do. Despite their their tug of war over the over the Garden State Hardwood Classic, these guys both know that the other guy is a good coach who's done a good job under difficult, challenging circumstances. Well, I feel like I'm 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 reaching here, but I'm hoping that karma has them both in San Diego on Friday. Uh, I think that would be something else to have both those teams in the same arena. It'd be uh, great playing a tournament. I mean, it's the ideal situation because I, you know, in a way, like you, even though it would be fun if they played each other. It, it, it's more fun if they're not playing each other because then there's a possibility that they both could win, which would be just an all-time great day for, for New Jersey basketball. Like, aside from the teams that punch Final Four tickets, you know, Princeton in 65, Rutgers in 76, Seton Hall in 89, like having the two high majors advance in the tournament on the same day at the same site, it's like a modern high watermark for the sport here. I mean, you even have Governor Murphy tweeting about, you know, all his excitement about, about the big dance. So and he is a college basketball fan, but but I and Rutgers and Seton Hall fans look, they're not going to root for each other, each other's teams. There's a rivalry there, but they will be an appreciation for what the, what's been accomplished if that does happen. You brought it up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run with it. I have to ask you, Notre Dame, obviously all the history in the Big East. Uh, I I attended many uh, difficult losses to Notre Dame through the years. Uh, Mike Bray. I just wanted to ask you, uh, no topic uh, I think you're funnier with or more passionate about at times than venting about Chris Christie, former governor. <laughs> and wanted to just bring up, because for Rutgers fans, you know, this is this is big. This is a subplot. I get the team probably could care less. No, 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 no. there's no question. If you ask Michael a question about that, he'd probably pass out. I mean, yeah. they, don't, they don't care about that. But it's fun for us, for the pundits, for the fans. To, to reminisce, but go ahead. What did you want to ask me exactly? Well, well, in terms of that situation, I mean, 
at the time, what were you thinking when you heard that, that Bray made that kind of comment, admitted it publicly, and just his relationship with Chrissy and obviously the well-documented coming to Rutgers wearing Notre Dame stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, what a clown. For, fans, for fans, I mean, I think you recognize how, how sweet this would be to win this game on Wednesday. I'll be looking for Christie. I don't know what his deal is or if he's going to be out there. But, you know, the guy has presidential aspirations. Who knows? He's probably, probably raising money in Iowa somewhere, you know, <laughs> pretending to be a Hawkeyes fan. But, you know, I will. He, who knows? He might show up out there, you know, because he's tight with Bray. And uh, first of all, I like Mike Bray. He's a good guy. He, he's great to the media. His players love him. He, he runs a clean, successful program. It did seem out of character what he said. I mean, you know, maybe he was just moved by the visceral emotion of the video. I don't know. Uh, but maybe he was triggered by Christie. You know, who knows what was being said behind the scenes. It was it was a bizarre like comment that you don't hear too often. A coach calling for another program to be shut down. So, <laughs> but but uh, for, for as far as Christie's concerned, I mean, I, it would be great if he's out there wearing Notre Dame gear. We will we will hit him like a pinata with, with <laughs> if he does that. I mean, what a clown. What a clown. <laughs> You know, he, he goes to Seton Hall games as governor wearing Delaware sweatshirt. Okay, that's his alma mater. Even so, whatever. But then to go to to go to the state university as the as the governor wearing Notre Dame gear, cheering for Notre Dame. How much of an ass do you have to be? I mean, really, can you just can you just tone it down for that one <laughs> spot? So I'm glad people don't forget. It's been a long time. And listen, there was pre pre-social media or pre-prevalence of social media today that would be a meme it would be everywhere it would be on fire if that happened today but maybe we'll get another opportunity out in san diego and, and i also uh don't forget oh, not san diego what am i saying not in san diego in in uh in dayton in dayton in dayton yes but i, I like i like where your head's at i like where yes. your head's at uh and let's not forget two, three years ago, 2020, when they went 18 and one at the rack, the one game that Christie went to was Michigan when they lost. So I, I haven't forgotten that either. Good, good. That's a great subplot. And I fully expect uh, Steve Politi to go and ask Christie what his deal is if that does come to pass. He, he better. He, he I'll, better. I, I will egg him on. I will wind him up to do that. All right, Jerry, just a couple more for you. Uh, obviously, you know, th this is a huge moment for Rutgers fans. Um, and, and for me, what was so kind of emotional and, and nerve-wracking about yesterday, aside from the 30-year drought, making it last year, you know, just a normal being on the bubble, being probably the most polarizing bubble team there was, for me, it was the legacies of the senior class. And obviously, they were intact regardless of what happened. But for me, it was just I wanted them to have this opportunity and have this moment. You've talked, I remember last year, about how you need to have a moment in March to really right. kind of capture uh, the success of the season. How important was it for them to make this step to turn things around the way they have? And, you know, now that the opportunity is there, of course, you know, their legacies are intact with a loss. But how special of an opportunity is this both for fans to see them make this last run, but for this group of players to have this opportunity? All right, it's a good question. And so let's go back to the – we did this – you and I did this podcast last year, right, right before the NCAA tournament. And yep. There was a lot of Rutgers sentiment that was we're just happy to be there, a lot of it. And I'm like, no, no, no. This team's good enough to win a game, and it's an, it is a little bit of an empty feeling if you don't – if you just go there and you go back home. 
So I think Rutgers fans understood now after they beat Clemson, the Scarlet Knights, how much how much different it is. I know there was they suffered a, a gut punch against Houston, but you you come home with something. You come home with a moment when you win a game. The 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 caveat to that last year, and I thought it was very important that they won the game. The caveat to that last year was that it wasn't the full scale moment because the, the arena was empty and there, you know it was COVID and it just wasn't the same. Like now, and for those players, it wasn't the same. Like they they won an NCAA tournament game in, in a mostly empty arena, you know. So so now they'll have the chance to get the full experience, and I do think it presents itself for the full shining moment opportunity. Uh, I I did I did want to see these seniors go out in the NCAA tournament. I think it's important. Uh, it would have been sad. Listen, you're right. No matter what, they built this thing from the ashes. But it would have been sad and 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 not fitting, disproportionate, you know, for them to go out playing in the NIT. Which I, I don't hate the NIT. I don't look down my nose in the NIT. The NIT is good for certain programs. Programs on the rise. Like three years ago, it would have been great for Rutgers. Four years ago, uh, young teams. This is not one of those. Rutgers established program now, and it's a veteran team. NIT would have been bad. So it is fitting and appropriate and great for these seniors who I love. I've said this. This is my favorite class of seniors that I have covered ever in 19 years on the beat. You know, I, these guys have done have been so good to everybody, and they've done such a good job with such class. So they deserve to go out this way. I think that's important. So if they lose to Notre Dame, it doesn't really diminish much. It, it was most important for them to get in based on how close it was and how hard it was for them to get there. But it would it would be extra sweet. And I talked with this about Gio when, uh, yesterday. You know, there was like a feeling of incompleteness after the Houston loss. Uh, it would be extra sweet if these guys could advance a little bit to win a game, maybe two games, and, you know, and, and make a run. So that starts Wednesday. But – Yes. It, it, no, it does not diminish them at all if they don't get in and if they don't advance. Yes, it was very important for them to get in. But I do think there is that moment out there still to be grabbed, whether it's Wednesday or maybe the next game against Alabama, that could really be the cherry on top of the legacies of this seminal, groundbreaking, you know, generational class of Scarlet Knights. So well said. Uh, last question, you know, in terms of all this group has been through, uh, obviously, you know, including Cliff and Paul and just how far this team has come this year, the experience of losing to Houston the way they did last year, how much can that kind of elevate this team from a mindset perspective? And what's your ultimate kind of outlook prediction on how this thing, whole thing is going to go? So I, I don't know that the, the, the losing to Houston or the way they lost is going to impact this game, but I do think their experience, having played two NCAA tournament games, having been part of that, you know, a lose and you put the uniforms away while the whole country is watching, having been part of that will help. So just having played two games under their belt, and Notre Dame has, has not done that. So, so that's a huge difference. Like even looking at Seton Hall's TCU – you know, TCU has got, they've never played in a tournament, these guys. Seton Hall has four guys who've played tournament, multiple NCAA tournament games. I do think that's an advantage having been there before. I believe that'll be an advantage for Rutgers. Like when, when I wrote my preseason prediction, I said one thing about this Rutgers team that's a lot of experience that it should not, the big moments should not phase them. And I, I, they, I cannot see this. If this team loses, it's because they shot badly or Notre Dame shot great. 
It's not going to be because they were phased or deers in headlights. There's no chance of that happening. These guys have been there. They've done it. And I do think that is an advantage. I, I expect Rutgers to win against Notre Dame. I think they could win by double digits. Okay. I think Rutgers has a, at least a 50, 50 chance of beating Alabama. Now Alabama is like Rutgers on steroids with the, you don't know what you're going to get, you know, and the really high highs and the really puzzling head scratching lows. Um, but if they catch them on one of those down games, like Rutgers could beat them. Like uh, Rutgers can, can out tough Alabama. So I think they have a chance to win it. I could see Rutgers winning two games. Before I make a prediction on Alabama, I'd like to see how they look against Notre Dame. But if I had to say what's going to happen, like gun to my head, so to speak, I think Rutgers will, will win two games in this tournament. I can see them getting to the round of 32, and it'll feel different than last year because they'll have won two games. They'll have given you two moments. And then beyond that, who knows? Obviously, if they get Texas Tech, look, there's the number one defensive team in the country. Rutgers is a huge underdog in that game. So, so like, I don't know that I could pencil them to go farther than that. But if they get there, and I think they can and maybe will, then it will. Then Pikel will rightly be able to say, this was by far my best team. I agree with you. I, I, and I, I feel like that's the, that's the story. That's the way we're all hoping it ends. I feel like even a month ago, I, it never felt right that they were just going to peter out the way they did and to see them come back. Uh, you know, and I'll have to, uh, I don't normally do this, but humble brag in terms of the beginning of the year, there are only two people that I know that picked them to go 12 and eight in the big 10. Huh. And that, that was you. And that was me. And you took a lot of crap. I took a lot of crap. So I, you know, I, I'm just so happy to see this team have this opportunity. And um, I do like also, before I let you go, I like that they're playing offensive minded teams first. Versus defensive, obviously Texas Tech not, but Notre Dame and Alabama, that's what I like about the matchups is that, you know, they're more offensive-minded teams. And for Rutgers, I feel like that's that, that's a good matchup. For yeah, them. because when Rutgers is scoring the ball, they're playing great D. I mean, it usually goes hand-in-hand, hand, right? So, yes, that's, that's a good point. I agree. And I think, there's a, I think there's a very good chance we'll see Rutgers in San Diego and maybe for a long weekend. Well, Jerry, I hope they keep you super busy and uh, you're riding through the weekend and uh, really appreciate uh, your time and all your insight and, and all you've done uh, this season. Uh, thanks so much for being back. Aaron, my pleasure. And I, you can have me on any time, no matter how busy I am. Thanks so much to Jerry Carino for coming back and talking Rutgers hoops. Unbelievable time of year. We're here. It's March. The tournament is starting. Rutgers is in it once again. Never get, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get used to it for, for fans that, that live through so many years without it. Always my favorite sporting event and so many years, you know, just let, le left to dream of what it would be like if Rutgers was in it. Last year, we got a great taste of it. Of course, it was, you know, in the bubble. Not many fans could attend. Um, so this is, you know, this is a really exciting experience uh, that we're going into. And obviously, we want it to last as long as possible, you know. And listen, it's March. Anything could happen. We know Rutgers, listen, they could, they could lose on Wednesday night. They could go on a magical run. I believe it. You know, I wrote about the first four history this week, you know, two, uh, in 10 years, they've had the first four in two different years. Uh, teams have gone to the final four, VCU in 2011, UCLA last year, three other teams have gone to the sweet 16. So in five of 10 NCAA tournaments, a first four team has gone on to the sweet 16. And I say, why not Rutgers? Why not? It all starts Wednesday against Notre Dame, old Biggie's foe. 
obviously I touched on it with Jerry about, uh, you know, Mike Bray uh, nine years ago advising then governor Chris Christie to shut down the program after the Mike Rice scandal. I like Bray. I think he's a good coach. He's good for college basketball, but let's hope that Rutgers shuts down Mike Bray and Notre Dame on Wednesday and makes him think about those comments from nine years ago. Nothing better than beating a former Big East foe on St. Patrick's Day Eve, no less, uh, with the clock striking midnight right after hopefully Rutgers takes down Notre Dame. A lot to look forward to and enjoy as Rutgers fans going into this matchup. Let's hope for the best. Follow us at onthebanks.com for all our coverage. We have a uh, NCAA tournament coverage story stream up right now with all our articles. We have some more things coming out after this podcast releases as well. It's been an exciting season and journey uh, going through it with all of all of the fan base. And let's hope we have a couple more fun memories uh, left to be made. Thanks for listening once again here at On The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.